Hosting for Your Tech Life, proudly provided by Web Central. Everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. This is episode 308 of Your Tech Life. Thanks to the good people at Garmin, Garmin Satellite Navigation, GPS technology. Uh, without them, you'd be paying. And let's be honest, you don't want to. Also, there's no mechanism to but hey, there are exciting times on the horizons for podcasting. Very, ex- trust me, I'm, uh, I can't tell you, <laughs> I can't tell you anymore, other than to say I feel comfortable and confident that podcasting in this country, if not globally, is going to go big. Uh, and if you're a podcaster, uh, let me know, reach out, say good day. Um, we should, we should talk because there's things happening you can get involved in, which are going to bring advertising and revenue to podcasters. Uh, across this great country, and uh, it will grow podcasting as well. So I'm just I'm working with a an organisation that's getting in uh, getting into the front row seat of that one. So if you are a podcaster, get in touch. I'm I'm happy to hear from you and, and help you out and get you in touch with the things that are going on. Now, my goodness me, I just looked at the rundown, looked at the time scale of things, and I thought this is a very political. I mean, we need to uh, we need to put our serious hats on here, people. I'm talking to two politicians on this week's show. Uh, one of whom is uh, a top bloke and um, genuine politician, genuine local member, and a genuine member uh, representative of uh, of his of his people, little of his constituents, let alone the, of the country. And the other one is a guy I've never never heard, I've never met, but um, has introduced some interesting laws into his local area, uh, which I don't fully agree with. And I thought we'd talk about that and clarify it. So. That's to come. Plus, we're going to talk about secondhand gifting, not re-gifting, although that's kind of essentially what we're doing. But secondhand, would you give a secondhand gift? Would you be happy to receive a secondhand gift? I pose that question to you. We shall talk laptop specs. We shall talk um, high-definition broadcasting. We'll talk Windows 10 Plus. We will talk, um, as I said, secondhand gifting with Gumtree. We will talk to Leichhardt Mayor Darcy Byrne about their ban on drones, and up next, uh, federal member for Shifley, Ed Husick on Apple Pay. Talking technology without the jargon. Your Your Tech tech Life with Trevor Long. All right, well, you know I've been banging on about Apple Pay for a few weeks now because I love it. I mean, I'm lucky I have an American Express card, so I could use it from day one. I am tapping and going. I'm, I'm leaving the house without a wallet and without a phone and using my watch. It's crazy Good. And, the, and I've said a million times that the, the thing here is that in America, it's revolutionary because they're slow. They're behind the times. They didn't even do tap and go. Australia has the highest per capita usage of tap and go payments in the world. So the banks, well, they're not so keen on uh, giving up their share of that market. And uh, well, there's one bloke that's on our side. Um, I'm not sure if he's on the right side generally, but that's a debate for another day. But uh, the federal member for Shifley is on the line. Ed Husick, g'day, mate. How are you doing? You can't help yourself. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> play your cards right because you won't win the next election, but play your cards right. You should be the opposition leader leading into, I don't know, 2021. You could be prime minister. I'm, that's, I'm putting it right on the cards here right now. I'd vote if you were... I'd vote 
for my local Labor member if you were the opposition leader. That's all I'm saying. Now, heard it here first. That's innovation. Right. <laughs> innovation. Beautiful. You're big on innovation. I love that. I love that you're uh, wow. out there kicking it. You're 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 doing whatever you can to talk about innovation. And yeah. this is good because it's hard. No one has really fought the fight against the banks because they're just sitting there going, "Well, why would we bother? We've got great innovation. We've got wow. apps. We've got tap and go." What's your basic? So you wrote a letter to. Uh, I saw you. I'm catching up, but I saw you with uh, Paulie and, and Janine talking about this the other day. You wrote a letter to the RBA. What what's the principle behind what you said to the RBA? Basically, I think the more we get our act together in the payment space, the better it is for online commerce, and there's obviously a good commercial and economic uh, flow-on effect from that. And uh, I have, as you well know, and we've talked about this in times past, I've uh, not been an Apple fanboy person, you know, per mm. se. I've, I've stood up and said, you know, I like your products. I don't like the way you price, it, yep. price them and make them accessible. Um, but on this, I think Apple Pay, like you, I'm a fan. I think it's a good system. I use it myself. Uh, and uh, from my perspective, I think a number of things. One is if we want these payment systems to be, as they say, in the as the sort of uh, go-to word is uh, frictionless, yep. you know, where you don't have to worry about you know getting out a card, putting in a PIN and signing. We don't have to sign anymore. But you know, even to the point of tap and go, being able to just use your smartphone at a point-of-sale terminal and being able to make that transaction go really smoothly is very good. But having an Amex card is the only basis to do it, and I'm very happy that Amex has got on board, but it does cost you a little bit more than the standard card, and we should be encouraging credit and debit cards to be used on the system. Mm. So I wrote to the RBA saying, look, I get that you know, there'll be commercial negotiations that hold things up from time to time, but I'm not a fan of this being held up for too long, one. Two, I'm not a fan of banks trying to use this as an opportunity to flog their own apps and platforms at the expense of this. It should be that the customer chooses and the customer has the power to, to make the choice as to where they go with their payments. Mm-hmm. Um, and also Apple should play ball too because in other markets they've not been so dogmatic on their um, uh, on their uh, you know transaction charges. They've given a little... In other markets like the UK, they should do the same here. So, you know, the, the principle behind this is, you know, and the Commonwealth's a good example, and I'll, I'll use the example, you don't have to name others, but Commonwealth Bank, the most innovative bank we have, they're... they're their movement into the app space, the ability to have a, a little PayPass sticker on the back of your phone that you can choose which card it is, the ability to turn off international payments, the stuff you can do in their app is awesome. But mm. the point you make is, is critical. The consumer doesn't have the choice. They have the choice yeah. of changing bank and using that stuff, but then they, they don't get the choice of saying, hang on a minute, and I've done, I reckon, in the five years I've been doing a current affair, I reckon I've done at least 10 stories on tap-and-go fraud. Now, yes, mm. there's, there's a good story in tap-and-go fraud. I admit that, and it's a good thing to talk about to get people riled up. But the fact is that your tap-and-go card can be taken from your wallet and yep. someone can tap-pity-tap-pity-tap-pity-tap $100 at a time and yes, the bank wears the risk, so you will get your money back. But the banks aren't everyday Western Sydney people who have to go two weeks before they get their money back. Apple mm. Pay, your fingerprint. I mean, how exactly. more secure can this get? And that's my point. That's exactly my point, is that it's a much more secure platform that doesn't rely to remember, as we are confronted every day, remembering umpteen different PIN numbers. Mm. And it it sidesteps the whole um, issue that you just outlined there of if your card falls into someone else's hands that wants to cause you grief, 
um, we sidestep that. And the other thing is too, you know, ultimately someone pays for that fraud. Like it's not like a victimless uh, crime oh, yeah. per se. Someone will ultimately pay. And so, you know, if we have a system that can avoid all that rigmarole, we should be doing it. And I, when I wrote to the RBA, I said we should be, you know, um, championing technology neutral, uh, technology neutral regulations to in- ensure that we don't have banks saying, well, we'd prefer you to use our app over someone else. It's, it's almost like a bank saying, we don't want you to contact us via Facebook until we invent our own Facebook. Well, it just makes no sense. <laughs> it's very true. It's a very good example. And you said, you know, some, we all pay in some way. And let's be honest, the banks make billions of dollars and they absorb that risk of that $100 fraud because they know that, in fact, it's proven that that risk of $100 fraud is, is lesser than the old swipe card, you know, skimming mm. risk. So the risk has already been reduced. That's good. So what I don't understand is why the banks don't further reduce their risk and therefore their risk burden that they've got to keep on their balance sheets, I expect, and therefore yeah. they're making more money if they do this. No, no, no. I couldn't agree more, Trev. I think that's absolutely you know, spot on. So what on do we do? What can, what can the RBA well, do? What can the RBA do? Well, I'll uh, give you a scoop. Um, the RBA actually just wrote back to me today. Um, they don't necessarily agree with everything that I've said, but I don't mind... You know, I'm not expecting them to agree with everything I've said, but they're open to um, having further discussions on it. But the biggest point was that they are definitely pro um, having independent um, or technology-neutral regulations. They say that they've championed that themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think this is something that will be uh, pursued further. But what I've also tried to do, as I often do with these type of uh, things, is to elevate it in the public space, yep. get people talking about it and let the banks know because this could have just dragged on um, and instead what I'm very keen to see is for the public impatience to be channeled in a way that it puts the heat on both the banks and Apple to get their act together to make this system come to life. And by the way on the transaction costs and I know the minute I say this Trevor, someone's going to you know, contact you and say well I don't think that's the case mm. but my understanding is the transaction costs that Apple are, are extending is it's like fifteen cents in a hundred dollars. In a hundred dollars, yep. That's my and understanding so, as well. Yeah, you know, like for the people that have sort of come back to me on Twitter saying, Oh, you're just endorsing Apple gouging you I sort of think to myself, Well, if you have an ATM from one bank and you go to a non bank ATM and withdraw any amount of money, you're gonna pay two two bucks to two fifty on a transaction cost on an ATM. You pay more on withdrawing your cash from an ATM that's not your bank mm. than what you would on transmission or transaction costs on Apple Pay. This know? is this is one of those areas where you've literally just got to uh, filter out the the haters. You know, there's a lot of Apple <laughs> Apple haters out there. You know that, and and there's mm-hmm. a lot of people who've said to me, "Oh, I can already do this," and and I'm really happy if you're happy yeah. with a little sticker on the back of your phone. Good for you. I want my fingerprint to be the security for every payment. And and here's the thing: people have got to remember. The tap-and-go transaction limit goes up from $100 to no limit when you use Apple Pay because it's more secure. So I can do, I can buy $450 worth of groceries at Woolworths. Yes, my kids eat a lot. And, and I can use my fingerprint tap-and-go yeah. because Amex and Apple go, hang on, this is more secure than anything. So yeah. it gets better, it gets easier. And the thing is, we've got to put pressure on, right? And I've said this to people, and I think they don't, believe me so you're saying the same thing people have got to pressure their banks they've got to talk to them they've got to hear people power right yeah absolutely when i saw this trev i was in um 
I went and saw, uh, I was in Cupertino, I visited Apple and got a briefing on a number of things from them and I went into their, um, they've got like a demo centre and they showed me then, um, like I got a demo back in January yep. about Apple Pay. Now bear in mind they launched it in the States in October. They've been having their own grief with some of the retailers refusing to accept but as you rightly point out, they don't have the same tap and go um, features within their system even though 750 banks support Apple Pay in the US. Um but having said that, when they showed it to me, I went, knowing, like what you said, that per capita, we're the highest users of tap and go, and the fact that we you know, have embraced mobile technology way quicker than others, I thought the combo of what I saw, plus knowing those two points that I just mentioned, I thought this is like a no-lose. Like this yeah, could just take yeah. off. Yeah, like I anything. did the same thing. And now it's December. Like I, I saw that in January, and we're still quibbling. Like we if should I- just... If I go back to the launch day, I was in Cupertino when they launched, they announced the Apple Watch, they announced Apple Pay, and nice. I remember saying on the radio, it, we'll, have it by, we'll have it by December. This was 2014 because it mm-hmm. just made sense. We were, we were so big. We were on innovation. We were so, and here we are, fed income 13 months later, and we're still talking yep. about it. The banks have got to pull their finger out of their proverbial and just go, yeah, happy days, good stuff. <laughs> well, This is the stuff that drives me nuts in either – like if it's the pace at which government regulation, this is not a political comment, this is a general pace at which government changes, pace at which business changes, you know, like we've been told we have to be a lot more, you know, as the saying is, agile and nimble. Well, you know, we, we can do this on this stuff much quicker. But as always, the consumer is forced to, you know, tap their feet waiting for this stuff to happen. And I just think we've got to move it quicker. Good on you, Ed. Before I let you go, what's um, what's the biggest uh, biggest thing you're trying to champion right now? I think it's obviously innovation, but what's the thing that if you if you were on the other side of the aisle and could just do something for for Australian technology, Australian startups, Australian innovation, what would it be? The biggest is a intangible, a harder thing to get get moving, and that's the whole culture. Like I yeah. think us respecting, valuing, championing, talking about innovation and and having faith and backing ourselves that we are an innovative nation, that you know, we've always had to, because of where we sit in the world, we've had to you know, be sharp and smart and think creatively about problem solving. And so you've seen that the way that it's done elsewhere. Um, I think we've done well on that. Um, and we, you know, we should be able to be a lot more innovative. Um, but uh, culture is a big thing. And in a pragmatic sense, like a tangible thing that I think we'd want to work on more is we need more people with digital skills, talents in this country, like to deal with the skill shortages, to drive innovation further. There's a whole stack of other stuff we could probably talk at length, you know, sometime down the track. Definitely. But some of those things I think we really need to get get, uh, cracking on. Ring Elon Musk, get a meeting, and let's turn the old Broadmeadows or Elizabeth into a Tesla factory at the same time and become that would a, be hub, awesome. a hub for Tesla in the in the Southeast Asian market. I mean, these are the And things. that's the type of thinking. Like what you just said then, that's spot on what we need. We need people to think like that and not to think, oh, we couldn't do it, like to actually go, let's make it happen. Yeah. That's the mentality. I respect everything you do except for the side that you sit on, but that's okay. It's cool. In 2020... <laughs> I'm there for you, man. I really am. <laughs> I love it. Thank Thanks, you. Ed. Always Cheers. good talking with you, Trevor. Thanks for your time, mate. It might sound crazy what I'm about to say. But Trevor longs the world's best techie. He's the kind of guy we picked on at school. 
for listening. Thank you for downloading this show, as always, brought to you by the good people at Garmin, satellite navigation, GPS technology, just like the Forerunner 15. This is a $200 fitness watch. Now, it's easy to use GPS running watch with heart rate, so it tracks your distance, pace, heart rate, calories, activity tracking, counts steps and calories, reminds you when it's time to move, compatible with the foot pod for recording distance indoors, and up to eight hours battery life when it's in GPS mode, um, or five weeks when it's in normal watch and activity tracking mode. So a cracking little product. Very simple. I mean, I'm thinking about getting one of these for Jackson for his uh, for his birthday. He wants a watch, and he wants his heart rate monitored. I mean, it's kind of cool. Um, and I know this sounds crazy, but I can get him the ladies' version because it's kind of smaller, right? So it's smaller on your wrist. Um, it's 249 with the um, with the heart rate monitor. So um, great little product, um, well worth checking out. It comes in a range of colours, a little aqua, purple, black, red, uh, and black and blue. Uh, beautiful product, uh, all available at, on the Garmin website at garmin.com.au. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Get in touch anytime you want. Go to the website, eftm.com.au. G'day, Kylie. Hi, Trevor. How are you? Very well. What can I do for you? Uh, I spoke to you on the weekend, but I wanted to get a bit more detail. I'm looking to get a two-in-one laptop slash tablet computer, Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering what the four main components are that I should look at. For example, RAM, and I don't really understand all of that. No, and and, uh, it's important to take it with you as you go to the shops. And you're right, There's four in my mind, there's four things. There's the RAM, there's the hard drive... Then there's the processor. They're the three big ones. And then the other one is probably screen size. So screen size is the easiest one because you kind of walk around, you see the big ones, the little ones, and you go, yeah, I like that one. And then you can can get the sense of which size of laptop that you want. After that, it's all about what you're going to do with it. So if you were doing lots of video editing and high-end stuff, then you should have a processor that is an Intel Core i7. If okay. if you were doing a little bit of photo work, but not much video, and you know liked in having the latest in speed, then I would get an Intel Core i5. Okay. Now, an Intel Core i3 is still good, but really basic computer word processing, your basic things, and maybe Minecraft or you know those kind of basic games. But there's a lot of that in this house. Well, then if there's a lot of it then i wouldn't go to the lowest common denominator i would want to go okay. one step up in terms of your your i5 would be absolute minimum for you okay. so i5 processor whatever screen size you like hard drive is normally pretty easy because um most people these days aren't storing a lot of photos and videos mm. on the actual computers they're using cloud and things like that so 256 500 or more gigabytes is fantastic, sure. and you should get that on most laptops. Okay. And then the last one is the RAM. Now, the RAM is the kind of the brains, the capacity for the for the computer to utilize that processing power and quickly deploy it to, to show you what you want. Sure. Uh, you wouldn't get less than four gigabytes, and anything more than four is an absolute bonus and will serve you very well. Um, and, okay. you know, the higher you spec it, the more you spend, the longer it will last. I mean, I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's true. You know, if you buy something that today is, um, you know, is super powerful, then in three years from now, five years from now, um, that super power will be moderate power and it will still be great. Sure. Whereas if you buy low power today, then in a few years, you, you're going to struggle to do the most basic things that occur. 
Sure. Can you recommend, on the weekend, you recommended the Lenovo Yoga Pro, I think? Yeah, the, yeah yoga. the Yoga 3 Pro is, is a convertible. So it's a laptop that flips around back onto itself, uh, flips into tent mode. Very, I, I love it. I've got a great, uh, I've, I've always enjoyed the, the Yoga products. They make a really good quality. Uh, the other okay. one to look at is the Microsoft Surface Pro. Um, you can get a nice type cover with that that makes it kind of like a laptop. But sure. the Surface Book, which is their kind of latest laptop uh, tablet convertible, feels to me a little bit too laptopy, not enough tablety, and it doesn't flip back on itself. So it's kind of it's a great product, but I just don't think it's for everyone. So yeah, I think okay. the Yoga Three or the Surface Pro, excellent devices. You are going to need a bit of bit of money though if you're going to spec that thing up and and get a bit of life out of it. Okay, great. Thank you. I really appreciate your help. That will definitely help me this weekend. Happy shopping. Thanks a lot, Trevor. No Thank worries. You. Bye. Great time shopping for new computers, isn't it? And uh, if you're in the market for a new computer, let's talk. Let's talk about what it is you need. Let's talk about who it's for, why they need it, what they need it for, and let's make sure it's a, it's a good spec for you because it's uh, quite annoying to be let down by um, underperforming laptops after you've bought them. Yeah, you're listening to Your Tech Life. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. And thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Anytime you want, you can get in touch. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Uh, let's go to calls. G'day, Morris. Hello, Trevor. How are you? Good, mate. What can I do for you? Uh, Windows 10 question yes. for you. Um, I've got an HP 15-inch laptop. Um, it's got um, uh, 4 gig of RAM and the usual requirements. I've been running Windows 10 that's been installed on it. Yep. I've done the... Um, the large November upgrade on it, about yep. the 3.4 gig. Yep. And uh, everything's working fine, except um, intermittently I get a message saying um, Windows is trying to add a new feature. <laughs> and also it says uh, something happened and we couldn't install a feature. When yep. I tap uh, on the app to get more info, it just gives me a list of optional features like uh, character recognition, US speech, uh, US typing and all the stuff I don't want mm. and I'm trying to get that notification to go away so um, I've been doing a bit of research and I just did the, did the SFC scan now on it Right. Any luck? and it scanned the files apparently right. and it hasn't happened again since so I'm okay. not sure what so, I'm looking for So the SFC is, a, is a, basically a file check it runs through the computer and just checks that everything's in order so that's 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 a great thing to have done, and uh, it's probably going to be your first port of call. The other thing to learn is that basically, those pop up messages, those things it's saying to you, you know, it's trying to help. <laughs> it's a computer yeah, trying to help. Yeah, the notifications. Um, yeah. But just like many other things that nag us in our lives, it uh, you know would be good to be able to just turn them off. So there are there is a setting, um, not deep, but it's mm -hmm. a little way into the into the kind of control panel that you can go in and then. Yep start to fine-tune. So if you were to open up the yeah. settings, have you been into this area? Yeah. Would that be the Action Centre and Notifications? Well, it is Action Centre and like Notifications, that. but I'm wondering if, if you just go, don't go there through the Action Centre. Go in Action Centre is what they call that, that kind of where the notifications appear. Yep. Um, yep. You know, click the Start button or the Windows button and, uh, and click on, this, yep. on the cog, you know, the settings. And then, and then yep. go, go to System. System is the main kind mm -hmm. of main one on the left, and then there's a bunch of menus on the left, and you'll find I think they're one called notifications and actions, and this is where yep. you can start to dig deep and start turning stuff off. So 
So you can start yep, turning off. That's where I was actually. Right. Sorry to butt in, but I, I was there this afternoon and mm-hmm. I turned off the Windows tips. Perfect. That's what um, you want to do? Windows tips. And then I'm actually looking at it at the moment. And okay. then I'm not using OneDrive, so I took Five off. Notifications, uh, Microsoft OneDrive off. Yep, so yep. I turned that off as well. I think you're uh, you're ten steps uh, forward uh, from where you were just a few hours ago, even, mate. I think you've done very well. Self-diagnosis is yeah. a beautiful thing. I've gone through everything and I've been reading all the forums and I've yep. been reading everything. And uh, as I said, I'll give it a go now after I I just did the SFC scan now on it, mm-hmm. and I had a look in the logs as well, and it gave me a how often whole did it used to come stuff. up? How often did you used to see that message <laughs> that uh, that annoying message? Uh, probably every 15, 20 minutes right. or so. So you'll know pretty quickly. Yeah. Whether it's fixed itself. Yeah. That's cause that's correct. On just while I've got your travel yeah. line, hold you up for no, too no, long. But right. just on that screen, I'm looking for notifications. Right. Is there any one of those that will turn that notification off? The whole. This is show notifications on the lock screen, so mm. I don't want that. No. Show app notifications. I'm just trying to narrow down which. And, and you want to be able to, um, there, there will be an option to, um, there'll be an option somewhere to, to uh, do the notifications per, um, per app, yep. right? And that's, oh, okay. yep. that's what you want to dig into. And it's not going to be easy to find, I'm tipping. But, uh, yeah, but I'm that's, not sure what app that is. <laughs> well, yeah, and so the app is probably Windows Update. But then I don't know that you really yep. want to... Um, I don't know that you really want to yeah. hide that because, you know, you want to know when there's critical things. Um, exactly. But so, every time I click on that message, um, it says, um, oh, it's, it's trying to install a new feature and then it says something happened and we couldn't install a feature. Mm. It comes up on the optional um, install uh, screen with, as I said, with US typing and character recognition and all that stuff. Right. Yeah, I think you're in the right area. I think a little bit of trial and error here is probably going to serve you yep. quite well, um, and it feels like you've Thanks already a gone a long way there. So have a, have an eye, keep an eye on it over the next 24, 48 hours, and let me know if it continues. And if it does, then uh, where do you live? What suburb? Uh, I'm in Warragamba, near the dam, okay. not so, too far from Warragamba so Dam. A bit of a hike to the city, but um, but I was going to say the Microsoft, <laughs> the Microsoft store is uh, is your is your yeah. friend these days. It's a great idea for Microsoft to have an actual shop, but uh, not yeah. as easy to get to from Warragamba. Yeah, exactly. I just yeah. thought it was strange that I've checked on all the forums and I've typed in various ways of looking for it on the web mm. and people are getting that problem but nobody's come up with a solution for yeah. it. <laughs> well, I think you might be very close, mate. So uh, let's see how it goes over the next um, 24 hours, okay? Not a problem at all. Thanks very much for Good your help. You, I'll give it a bit of a go now. Absolutely. And uh, if you've got a question like Morris, just get on the blower, one eight hundred one five seven one five seven or... Go to the website eftm.com.au. Talking technology without the jargon. Your Your Tech tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Christmas is fast approaching. And in the long household, so are several birthdays because we just like to cram children into the period just before Christmas, which is awesome. Um, And this time of year is quite interesting because you've got to remember buying presents for your own family, let alone the extended family, let alone people you work with, let alone the school. I mean, it's just, it gets out of control. And uh, 
some interesting research has been done by the people at Gumtree uh, around the stress, the financial stress, the, the, the thought process around gift buying. And I thought we'd have a chat about it tonight. So Kirsty Dunn is on the line. G'day, Kirsty. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm pretty well, but uh, you did you did this research, and this is probably yeah. the biggest issue: is the biggest cause of financial stress is buying Christmas gifts. Uh, that's ahead of the that's Christmas correct. food bill. It's not a good look. No, it's not. No, unfortunately. Um, so we did a bit of research around what causes kind of financial strain, and unfortunately, Christmas presents were the the biggest cause of financial stress for families across Australia. Which is um, so. Hopefully, we've got a, a solution for them. So really, we want this Christmas. We think it's time for more and more Australians to think of secondhand goods and to consider buying secondhand gifts for for Christmas. And you can save some money in the meantime. So it's kind of win win. So this is where my personal story comes in and no this podcast is not just about me venting my own issues but hey it's my show so I can do whatever I want but it is interesting that we have this conversation tonight because uh, exactly one and a half hours ago I exchanged cash with a man who had listed an item on Gumtree my wife had been looking for this item for some time and we've been debating this now I can safely say because my son is nine and doesn't listen to the podcast as much as I'd love him to just for the download numbers. Um, we're getting him a bike. Now, this is for his birthday because his birthday is before Christmas. Now, I feel uh, if I was filling out the survey, I would be in the 51% not happy to receive a secondhand gift. In fact, um, I'd be in the, what are we thinking? It's uh, two in three who would not consider giving a secondhand gift. I have felt quite awkward about it. I just think it's a it's his birthday. Should I be getting him a brand new bike? Yeah. But then they're like five hundred bucks. And that's I don't even know if he's gonna like it. So I've been out of pool, you know, a really nice bike. I and mean, my wife literally for three months has been on Gumtree. Um and mm-hmm. we've we've looked at a lot. And I went and had a look at this bike and I feel I feel quite relieved now and my wife feels vindicated that a two hundred dollar purchase is gonna make my son very happy. Has not created financial stress and it's a very simple process isn't it buying second hand when you can just browse the photos you can have a conversation with the with the the seller it's quite an easy process that probably we think isn't going to be that easy Absolutely, yeah. And I think, I think it comes down to what the kind of the true spirit of Christmas. And I guess uh, really a good Christmas gift is, is something that puts a smile on someone's face and is something that they want. And it really shouldn't matter if it's new or if it's pre-loved or if it's, um, it might not even be used. It might be brand new in its box. Mm. It might be an unwanted gift. So I guess we're really trying to challenge people to, I guess, to think, think outside the box a bit. And if, if, Christmas presents really are a, a financial strain. You can actually save money by by buying on Gumtree and getting second, being secondhand Santa. Secondhand Santa. There you go. That's nice. And a couple of examples that, that I've, <laughs> I've been sent. Uh, you know, an Xbox One is five hundred bucks. And you know, there's a lot of parents listening to this right now going, "No way, not going to happen." But three hundred and fifty bucks, you might be able to pick up an Xbox One in your local area. You might have to drive twenty minutes to get it, but it certainly could save you 150 bucks. Those are, you know, some people would look at that and go, it's not worth it. But, geez, you know, when I was thinking about the Xbox example. And for the most part, it is awesome to get something brand new in a box because then you unbox it. But let's be honest, that goes straight in the recycling bin that week. And it just ends up sitting under the television, plugged in, and it works. So as long as it looks good and works and is in good condition, 
second hand really after the first day where you realize it, it you, know, you may or may not know it's second hand it's exactly the same product in the long run isn't it that's correct, yeah, exactly. And a lot of the things on Gumtree actually do come in their original boxes. They come with receipts and warranties. So, they, like I said earlier, it might just be an unwanted gift um, from someone or, yeah, there's, there's so much kind of on there. Like you said, the Xbox One example, there's also PlayStations currently on the site for 400 bucks with games as well. Mm. Um, and then I guess there's kind of all those kind of retro and iconic things which you can't get new in the shops anymore, which you would naturally have to buy secondhand like a Sega Mega Drive or something like that. Now, I'm not going to make any assumptions about your personal life, but let's ask a simple question here. If you received a ring and it was secondhand, how are you feeling about that? Someone's courting you, a beautiful ring, it's secondhand. This, I've still, I still have a personal deep down gut feeling that, that that just feels a little wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I guess if it's if it's the ring that I wanted, um, and it didn't, it, if it was going to cost an absolute arm and a leg, brand new, but um, it was the exact ring I wanted, and it was saved a fortune. I I I honestly would consider it. I don't, I don't think it's. Um, I think it's kind of we've got to we've got to get past our own kind of misconceptions with with what seconds secondhand really is and I guess it's that whole um, recycling culture and, and, it, and it's better for the environment and it's kind of that, that age old thing that it, it might not be, be kind of to someone else's liking but it's, it's always good for someone else um, someone else in your local community is always after the unwanted things that you've got. Another example or another uh, you know, secret to secondhand buying might be not just saving money on one gift but you might still allocate the same amount of total money to an individual, but get them so much more. Like let's say 500 bucks was your budget for your, for your two kids, uh, and you were always going to get them an Xbox, so they, they get one Xbox they've got to share. So now maybe you're getting an Xbox and you're getting two other small things for 75 bucks each that are secondhand also. So you can actually save money, get more, or uh, get the same and save money. It it's kind of goes two ways, doesn't it? That's it, yeah. We've got um, Lego on the site at the moment, which um, some of the particular Lego resales for like 150 or over $100, and it's on the site for $60. So, mm. yeah, the kid could be really lucky, and if, you, if your budget is 500 like you said, they can get an Xbox One, and they can get a couple of sets of Lego and some other children's games, um, some books. I, we found that books and um, consoles are kind of, and CDs are the, the main things that people would, would like to have as a second-hand gift and then there's obviously like antiques and collectibles and things like that as well but certainly from the tech side um, computer games and that kind of thing and, and computer consoles are, are those big things that you can really make a saving on for Christmas. So final um, advice for people who may not have tried Gumtree um, what, what are your what's the buying advice because we you know people often have these concerns or, or issues about online buying, let alone, um, you know, meeting random people. But it's, it's the same as it was 20 years ago using the trading post. It's just an electronic connection. Um, what, what, are the, what are the tips you, you have for people, maybe even first-timers on Gumtree? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing that you need to do as a buyer is ask a lot of questions. Mm. Um, so obviously ask questions around even why are they selling the item? Um, 
what had they got any warranties have they got the original receipts um i personally always ask why are you selling it and yep. um, so i just bought some some hair straighteners the other week um and they they would have cost me 300 dollars. i got them for 180 and they're amazing hair straighteners so i wanted to know why she was selling them mm. um and she was moving overseas um she had them in the box with the warranty with the receipt so i was happy um I guess if there is anything that you that you may be suspicious about, report the ads as well. Mm. Um, we really recommend that you do all of your communication through the My Messages app on the site as well. Um, but yeah, it really comes down to you just asking lots of questions, research the price, make sure you're getting a good deal and, and meet in person as well. I know this is ungumtree related, but on behalf of all the men listening, why do you need multiple hair straighteners? Because you, you said plural. You definitely said plural. <laughs> oh, uh, un- yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. My 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 trusty GHDs after eight years, um, they they went to GHD heaven. So I needed to get some new ones. But I I sure knew that I wasn't going to be paying full retail price for them, and that I would be able to nab a good deal on Gumtree for them. I'll take your word for it at this point in time. Very good advice for everyone, and uh, and a good uh, good food for thought, second hand for Christmas. Um, thanks for the chat. Thank you. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Now, I got a lot of tweets today from people um, telling me about a story that had come into the Daily Telegraph. Um, the ABC covered it this morning. And then, yeah, there's a few people telling me about the story. But it's a very small story in the Telegraph, which broadly reads that you know, Sydney, us Sydney councillors banning drones in public parks due to fears for the safety and privacy of children. This relates to Leichhardt Council. I did some quick reading as best I could in my spare time this afternoon and I found the the minutes of the council meeting and uh yeah I've got I've got to understand in better detail um what's going on and and why the council feel this way about drones and the mayor of Leichhardt council is on the line Darcy Byrne g'day Darcy how you doing g'day Trevor how are you and I'm well now come completely clean here I own a drone I love my drone I love flying the drone I also am very worried about the future of drones and the idiots that are out there that may, you know, make my life terrible because I love flying it. Now, I find it very interesting that, that a council can make a, an assertion like this because there's already rules around it. So I wonder, where, does it, where do your rules live against the Civil Aviation Safety Authority rules? How, how, do, they, how do they live together? Well, our position is pretty simple, Trevor. We had a report that came from our professional officers who manage our parks each and day in and day out and they reported that there was an increased frequency in complaints from parents mostly about drones being flown in our parks which are quite small because Mm. we live in a very dense urban environment and the recommendation was that we should um, uh, regulate to prevent people from flying those drones in our parks and playgrounds And the unanimous view of the councillors was that we should accept that professional advice because children's safety had to take preeminence. How? Children's safety, mate, I've got three kids and I want them to be safe every minute of the day. Um, I take my kids flying with me every Sunday because they love Mm. the drone as much as I do, probably, Um, just looking Mm. at it. Um, How how do you see, perceive that children's safety is at risk? Well, I was in the playground uh, only a couple of weekends ago myself with my infant daughter and uh, a gentleman was flying a drone there. It wasn't a very big park, but most of our parks aren't very big. 
And a number of parents commented to me that they thought it was particularly unsafe that the drone was being flown around at a children's playground. And of course, only this week we've seen an incident from the UK in which a small boy lost his eye after being in a park where a family friend was flying a drone and it crashed into him and the, the propeller sliced his eye. Um, I don't see why there is a need for drone enthusiasts, but I accept that there's a growing number of them. I don't see why there's a need for drone enthusiasts to fly those drones anywhere near a children's playground. It seems pretty common sense to me. Do you, I mean, I've not done any research and, and you may not have any on top of your head either, but is there not as many or a, a large number of injuries from kids just playing at parks, getting hit by footballs, you know, there's, there's injuries that occur in public places all the time, aren't there? I think it's wise to guard against nanny state initiatives from politicians that seek to Bloody dictate earth. to people how they can conduct their lives and how they can behave. But I don't accept that um, the decades or centuries-long practice of kids playing sport or flying a kite is the same thing as putting kids in close contact with heavy-duty machinery that can drop out of the sky and seriously injure them. I just think that they're not comparable examples. This is a new technology which we know is going to come into use to a greater degree, and I think local, state and federal governments are going to need to look more closely at what rules need to be in place about their use. And more than just public safety, I do think that there's a serious question about privacy. Governments these days are following us all around on our mobile phones and knowing what we've looked up on the internet, where we've been, who we've spoken to. And if we allow these uh, drones to be flying around in our suburbs and streets with cameras on them, completely unregulated, so that any private citizen or any government agency could be looking at what we're doing, I think that's an infringement of people's civil liberties. So have you flown a drone? No, I haven't. No, never had any interest in them. So there's two there's two critical things that I think are, are, are I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna agree to disagree on the safety thing because I think we could you could argue that till the cows come home and it really is just a position from an individual and I think you're right to to err on the side of caution there. So so I support that broadly, but the idea of privacy is ludicrous. Frankly, I've got a two thousand dollar drone that can shoot four K video. Um, it's beautiful. It's amazing. But let me tell you right now, if I'm within cooey of you, if, if I could even see your body shape on, on the video, you can hear this thing buzzing like a helicopter above you. There's, there's, no, there's no if, buts or maybes about the fact that the thing is there. So it's not, a, it's not a spy camera. People can't just you know fly around going, oh, I'm just spying on people. I mean, you know it's there. And, and if you're worried what, about what? that, just like, mate, people can mm. walk around the streets. It's a public park. They can take photos. You know, people can walk around with a DSLR camera, which can zoom, you know, several, a long way away, but they can be taking photos of their own kids. But, you know, frankly, they can take photos of whatever they yes, want. Yes, but, but it's against the law. But it's against the law to take photos of other children, other people's children without their permission. And if someone's flying a drone around, there's no way for the, that person to give their permission for that to occur. Absolutely. And it's not true to say that they're not used for, um, so it is true to say that, um, the, no the noise may be audible, but governments all over the world are using these things for surveillance techniques, and no, I don't think that private not. citizens should be able to. No, you're confusing. You're, let, with respect, you're confusing, like, 
you know, US Air Force drones that do, you know, high resolution surveillance with what what you and I could go and buy from Harvey Norman and fly that can take good photos. But trust me, a photo that I can take at the maximum height of 120 metres, right? If I was directly above you, you will noticeably know it's there. But at 80 to, to 70 metres, you'll, you'll certainly know it's there. At 80 metres, when you can tell it's above you, there's no way you can tell who is standing on the ground. And it's, that would be comparable to someone taking a photo of my, uh, uh, me taking a photo of my kids and seeing other kids in the background, like, there's no idea. Mm. You cannot identify people. That, my point is that the technology is changing and will continue to improve. And I think all governments, local, state and federal, are going to have to look at this situation carefully and think about whether both safety and privacy need to be better protected over time. Who wrote the, um, I guess, what do you call it, the draft policy recommendation? One of the officers of the council. I would, if you pay that person, I would pay them half for the day because the, they wrote that they have the propensity fall from hundreds of feet or crash into other craft, including fixed-wing aircraft. Mm. How, that is not even possible. A fixed-wing aircraft well, doesn't fly anywhere near 500 feet, let alone to 400 feet, which these things, it's just, it's a silly thing to say. And I, I, I worry for, for you, and I'm, I'm try, giving you the greatest respect as best I can, because you're, you're, this is not your area. You're, you're the mayor. You're trying to bring in the right. You're trying to protect the, the, the pu- public in your area. But to say mm. that, uh, you know, a drone could potentially impact on a fixed-wing aircraft is ludicrous. And frankly, they're not just falling out of the sky. The, ones, the drones that can go more than 10 metres in the air don't fall out of the sky. They fall out of the sky mm. as much as Boeing 747s fall out of the sky. So it, that's my concern well, is that you the- it's kind of hyperbole mm. a little. Yeah, sure. But one of the differences between being a drone enthusiast and being the mayor of a local government is that when you're presented with advice from the officers of the council, I'm not in a position to disregard it. And on this occasion, um, the council unanimously decided that having been provided this advice, that we would accept the recommendation and err on the side of caution in relation to safety for kids in our parks. Can I pose a question to you? Yeah. I don't know if you often fly your drones in small parks within Leichhardt Municipality, but isn't there a better location to fly them? Yeah, totally. I mean, look, again, and this is, I was going to get to this, frankly, flying in a local park is like testing. Like I wouldn't, I, I live in the Hornsby area um, and my, mm-hmm. uh, the, the oval near my son's school, um, if there's no baseball or soccer there on a Sunday and I've just had a service done or I just want to check the camera, I might take it up there, fly around, test it, make sure it works. But it's pretty boring because, you know, you can't really film much. It's, you know, it's not very spectacular. You're better off going to the mountains or the beaches and those kind of things. So you're spot on there. Mm. Um, but likewise, you do have some spectacular areas to your council. And I, I would argue one missed opportunity is to say, you know, we've listed, I don't know, 20 or 30 parks that, that you know, are covered by this restriction. I would argue you're better off saying, here's one that we want you to go to. And we put up signs to people saying, you know, beware or, you know, take it, take it, take care and stuff. But that's then at least people in your area know that's where they can go to do their basic testing. They're still going to abide by all of CASA's laws, which restrict them from going over the harbour, even in your area, I'm told, and certainly restrict a lot of the, the basics and fundamentals of not overcrowded and populated people and areas. So the CASA laws actually I'm, I'm sure, cover... I'm sure the poor, the poor resident who lived next to the newly 
designated drone park would be very pleased about us directing all the traffic in in their direction. Yeah, it just it's just, well. Here's the thing: did the the other the advice that you got from from your officer, did they even know well, that uh, through the majority? And I haven't actually looked at your council borders, but broadly Leichhardt area, more than fifty well, percent of the area it's illegal to fly under CASA's well, rules because you're within five kilometres of the airport. So, the, and I'm gonna, I'll, I'll tweet you a link to the the Civil Aviation Safety Authority map, which has like a 5k radius around the airport, yep. which which I use. So I keep this yep. on my phone, and I look at it. I can I fly here? And basically, half of your council area is useless because it's so close to the airport, and therefore illegal. So this this well, is what I mean about. There you go. Then the, then the <laughs> impact of our new regulation is even less than I've suggested. But 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 the parks that are legal, I, I just I don't like the idea of the nanny state. I, I think it's I think it's over the top. I think people have regulations. Casa have regulations, and people should feel very comfortable that they can call whether it's your rangers or anyone and say this guy's breaching the regulations because there's a there's a live sporting game on here. <laughs> Listen, as the mayor of a local council that's very near to the airport, I have a little bit more experience than most dealing with CASA. And I can tell you the idea that you just get on the phone to CASA when you see someone inappropriately using a drone down the local park and they'll send someone out to fix the problem is absurd. No, no. They that, are a federal... I, no, I said call, are a, call a, a ranger. Federal, a statutory agency um, who in no way get involved in the sort of day-to-day management of parks and playgrounds. That's our job. 100% agree. I said call a ranger. Now, if you want to have that ability for a ranger to issue a citation, certainly take the people's details, CASA are fining people based on YouTube. So they will find people based on genuine evidence. And that's what I think. I think we should be upholding the CASA regulations and not killing a, a whole fun entertainment sport. Just, you know, it's just, it's overkill. And I, I think the advice that you got wasn't strong enough to make it uh, to make it reasonable. I think that the, the, the child safety issue is a stretch. You've got one example of a ki- of a kid getting hit by a drone. It's unfortunate, but you got golf courses in your area. People can get hit by golf balls and pretty pretty badly injured. You're going to shut the golf courses well, down? Well, we don't have any golf courses, but I take your point. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. So, uh, is it what's next? Is it just done? Is it now? Is it passed? Has it happened, or is there a next step for the for the people in your area? No, we've established a new regulation that doesn't allow people to fly drones in our local parks and playgrounds. Uh, I do think that the state government, one difficulty we're going to have is it's a very difficult um, prohibition to police. Mm. Um, For instance, if someone was standing outside a park or were down the street in their home and um, Mm. uh, flying a drone over the top of the park, how is that actually going to be policed? I I suppose that in the first instance, this is going to be an educative process in which we put up signage to explain to people that we don't think our very small pocket parks and other local parks, and they are very small in comparison to Hornsby or anywhere else, very dense urban environment, will place signage up explaining to people that we've determined that it's not safe and ask them not to do it. What's the fine? I'd have to clarify that for you and get back to you. But uh, the issue with policing is not... Um, you know what what the deterrent would be. It's you know you're very unlikely to have a ranger come out at the exact time when someone might be doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, that's a bridge that we're going to have to yeah, cross. Yeah, and I, totally. I I do think that CASA and other state and local agencies are going to have to continue to look at this issue because the technology is changing, 
I accept what you say about the limitations of the cameras and so on today, but that won't necessarily be the case in two, five or ten years' time. All right, good man. Uh, good to clear it up and, uh, and establish the, the, the actual facts as opposed to a one-paragraph story in the Telegraph. Good on you, Darcy. Thanks for the chat. Thanks for your time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Anytime you want, you can get in touch as Anthony did. G'day, Anthony. How are you, buddy? Thank you very much, sir. Thank you for calling me. And I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. And it's relation to uh, the reception of Channel 9 HD uh, on a set-top box, and mm-hmm. I've been following your segments on Radio 2UE in particular mm-hmm. in regards to um, retuning the set-top box, and if that doesn't work, reset the set-top box, and if, you're, if you can receive Channel 78, which is the horse's channel, yep. you can probably receive Channel 9 HD. Yep. Unfortunately, the set-top box that I've got, even though it says that it supports MPEG-4... It does say that? Set- okay. Yes, you did, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I remember it. You said if you could pick up Channel no, 78... No, yeah, so, is- so it, you know, it's getting 78, but does it actually say... I mean, I'm just curious here whether it... Uh, whether it lists MPEG-4 as, as being a compatibility or whether there might be, uh, you know, something, that maybe there's something different between the 78 and even the format that uh, Channel 9's using. Because obviously it's not working for you, is that right? That That is correct. And I use the set-top box as a, you know, a primitive form of PVR. I mean, I've mm. got no problem receiving M- Channel 9 HD on the, on the TV, but rather if I want to record something from Channel 9 HD... It, the set-top box that I use, which I've connected to a USB hard drive, mm. it's not. Uh, it says HD unsupport, and I've and I, up to this time, I've run, I've, I've contacted the manufacturer mm. or the distributor of the set-top box, yeah. and I have not had a reply from them. Really, that's pretty poor customer service, then, isn't it? So yes. you you emailed me the details. I've looked at it here. It's a strong um, is the brand, and I, look, it's interesting because when I view the uh, the specifications for this device, um, I do struggle to find mention of MPEG-4, but then you're getting the racing channel. So how would this be? Do you know what I mean? It's quite confusing that you would get the Channel 78 racing channel, but you would not get um, 9HD, um, which yeah. only leads me to think that it's something related to the high-definition MPEG-4 service that Channel 9 is providing. The bigger problem is there's no firmware upgrade listed on the uh, on the strong website for correct that box. Uh, so you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place here, buddy. It's um it's not looking good for that box, is it? Uh, have you got any other TVs that are successfully getting nine HD? Oh no! Can I just say it's been actually all the TVs that we've got have been automatically um, updated up. without yeah, right. even retuning it. Perfect. Well, that's good. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm scrolling and browsing, and I'm I'm unfortunately not seeing any good news for you. And here's the thing: you have had no luck getting in touch with Strong. I've never had anything no to luck. do with. I've had nothing to do with Strong in my life, and therefore they're gonna they're gonna receive an email from me going, "Who the hell are you?" Uh, when I say to people, "Hey, I'll get that company in touch with you," I say that because I know I have a relationship with them. I I feel comfortable, you know, saying that, but I don't feel comfortable saying that to you because I absolutely can't guarantee it now. I um I will follow their their website processes and and make a make an inquiry that way and see what they can say, um and that's the best I can do, mate. Is is kind of try and exert some some pressure upon them to reply to my emails, perhaps, 
um, uh, unlike their inability to reply to yours, and hopefully we can get somewhere. Well, I, I don't think, sir, I'm the only person with a strong oh, set-top box that's got that problem, so I thought I'd raise that with you. Yes, well, leave it with me. Let me get in touch with them, and let me see whether or not we can uh, stir the hornet's nest and get some sort of uh, at least answer, let alone firmware upgrade, pushed out to your box. Thank you very much, sir. Good and on it you. Did say, I, I mm-hmm. think it did say on somewhere that it did support MPEG-4. Right, well, I'm not seeing it on their website. So it may just be listed in the specifications in the manual. Their website isn't very good because it doesn't mention, like the specification link doesn't work. Uh, so that's pretty useless. So um, anyway, not much we can do about that now. Leave it with I, me, Anthony. Thank you very much, sir. Good on you, mate. And uh, if you've got a question or problem, whatever it is, get in touch. Go to the website, eftm.com.au. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. That is episode 308. Before I go, thank you to Fatty Boomsticks. <laughs> Great name. Who said, excellent show on the iTunes ratings. Appreciate you going to the iTunes store, searching once again for your tech life because you're already subscribed. That's awesome. So go back to the store, search again, and leave a review. Um, the Fatty Boomsticks says, the intro song alone is worth the cost of admission. I'm assuming you mean techie, that awesome song that I have. Um, <laughs> it's fun. I, I still love playing it. I'm pretty sure I, I read Bindog last week. I've only been listening for five weeks. Best weekly update of tech news and solutions. Very nice of you. Great stuff. 106 people have reviewed the show with words. 171 people have left a star rating. You could be one of them. That's right. You could. Very easy. Uh, I appreciate you doing that. Thanks for getting in touch. It is, uh, well, thanks for, you didn't get in touch. You just listened. Thank you for downloading. And if, hopefully it wasn't an automatic download. You, you requested this week's download. You requested that it come now. Happen. Uh, Pocket Cast, iTunes, Wooshka, whatever you might be listening with. Uh, great to have you company. We're back again next week. I, I'm exhausted. Are you exhausted? That was a big show. Two politicians for a start. Uh, we should talk to you next week. Thank you for listening. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, Your Tech, tech life, life with Trevor Long.